0: Thank <laughs> you.
1: Good evening. Good evening. Welcome to all of you here and all of you online. We continue our theme of uh, God's mercy. And this, if you look at the our pyramids, this is the merciful Lord. And uh, today we're going to look at uh, being merciful in relationships. And our sermon text comes from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And uh, we'll have a see what he says, what he says. Uh, Means for when uh, we hurt somebody or when they hurt us, how are we supposed to react? Uh, would you please rise? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of. One of another. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion. That it may give grace to those who hear. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil of the head running down on the beard beard of Aaron. We We cry to you for mercy. We confess to God that we have often been bitter towards others, expressed sinful anger to them, clamored against them, and have engaged in slander and malice. We have refused to forgive and have pursued revenge rather than reconciliation. Holy God. now we cry to you for mercy a few moments to reflect in silence on the fact that though our sin is great, God's mercy is greater. Hear the good news. God's word declares that God in Christ forgave you. In the mercy of Almighty God, it's His Son Jesus was given to die for you to remove the guilt of your sin. For Christ's sake, God forgives you all your sins and gives you His righteousness, making you righteous in His sight. His mercy endures forever because His love for you is steadfast. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, as we continue our Lenten pilgrimage, we do so in view of your mercy. Although we have not loved one another as you command, you continue to show your mercy to us. In view of your mercy, transform us so that we view others as precious and love them as you have loved us. Strengthen us by the Holy Spirit so that we might live graciously toward our neighbors. We pray through Jesus Christ, our Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please receive.
2: evening the Old Testament reading is from Genesis chapter 45 beginning at verse 1 Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him he cried make everyone go out from me so no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers and he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it and Joseph said to his brothers I am Joseph Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near, and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years. And there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me. You and your children and your children's children and your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. There I will provide for you, for there are yet five years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. And now your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt and of all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. After that, his brothers talked with him. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle reading is from Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Would you please rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel? Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 13th chapter. You, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated as we sing hymn number 842, Son of God, Eternal Savior. Peace and mercy from God our Father and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. With all of our technical difficulties which got fixed, I thought tonight I would actually start with a joke. We'll see if I can tell a joke. Maybe you've all actually heard it. And um, the joke's about what make and what model auto- automobile did the Christians drive in the New Testament times? The make of the car was a Honda, and the model was in accord. You might ask why. Ask why. Thank you. Because the book of Acts in chapter 2, verse 1 says this. They, the early church, were all in one accord. Wow, it worked. Okay. Now, we know they did not have cars 2,000 years ago, but what a wonderful statement that they were all In one accord. It doesn't take long, though, in the book of Acts, um, before the accord that the Christians experienced was threatened. They had disagreements. They voiced those disagreements. They voiced it with hostility between one another. And the book of Acts even says this in, in chapter 15, verse 39. It says, There arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. And that was Paul and Barnabas, you may remember their story. They were partners in mission and they split over an argument um, about a fellow brother whose name was Mark. The good news is, uh, before uh, Paul was put to death, they did come back together. But as one moves on in the New Testament, the epistles of Paul, especially with his two to the Corinthians, It describes significant discord in the early church. Paul's letter to the Galatians presents a conflict with uh, legalistics in the church. His letter to the Ephesians was written to help mend a rift between Gentiles and Jewish Christians. And so goes the rest of the New Testament. It was a challenge in the first century for Christians to be in one accord. Fast forward to the twenty-first century, and I think we would all agree it is a challenge in the twenty-first century for Christians to be in one accord. We too find it hard to live in harmony. Yet you and I, all of us Christians, we are called to be at peace with one another. But that's not easy. Anybody disagree with me on that one? It's just not easy. It's difficult. You need mercy in our relationships with one another. And thankfully, God provides his mercy to us so that you and I can show mercy to others. We are able to live in one accord in view of God's mercy. And although we seek to be in one accord with each other, frequently we are in discord. Our text from Ephesians chapter 4 identifies some of the sources of discord. In verse 29 it says, Let no corrupting talk, Come out of your mouth. Now, corrupting talk is what Paul identifies as engendering discord. And what is the corrupting talk? Paul goes on and gives us a description in verse 3 bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice. And the word that is translated as corrupting is frequently used um, of food that spoils. So, um, you all like bananas? I've got a banana on the screen, right? You like bananas? Awesome. Okay, so that's a good-looking banana, huh? You wouldn't mind peeling it and eating it, right? And um, that's the way it's supposed to be. But if we abuse it, if we twisted it and pounded it, and in the summertime, if I left it out on the patio for probably one day, it would look like that. How many of you want to take a bite of that banana? right? I don't think any of us would be too happy to hold it. We'd hate it. The taste of it? Because the banana is corrupted. And this is true of our relationships with each other. They are beautiful and they are delightful when we are in one accord. But when our relationships are subjected to the corrupting influences of bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander and malice, things get pretty messed up. Even in the church, there is sin. The ugly influence of sin corrupts relationships in the church. A trusted friend gossips about you. A church leader snubs you. A colleague ridicules you. You become victim of the corrupting talk. Or perhaps, maybe, you are the source of the corrupting discourse. Maybe you cause a decay of relationships. Or when someone disagrees with you in a church meeting, you resent it and you seek to destroy his or her reputation. When you don't feel valued as a church leader, maybe you make it your mission to undermine his or her authority. Or when a decision is made that is contrary to your opinion, you're bitter and you cast aspersions of accusations on the decision makers of the church. When you and I feel wronged by others, our immediate inclination typically is to simply turn against them, to seek revenge, to retaliate against them. And yes, even in the church, such corrupting conditions arise to destroy the sense of community. As one frustrated pastor commented, he said this, he said, the commandment that is most neglected in our church is the one that simply says, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. It is It is for reasons like these that the apostles warned us in Ephesians, chapter 4, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. But that's not all that Paul has to say in our text. He provides a prescription, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but then immediately follows it with a prescription. One, but only such talk as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who, who hear. That's Ephesians 4 verse 29. Paul says that our talk, your talk, my talk, all Christians talk should not be for the purpose of corruption, but rather for the goal of construction, for building each other up. We are not to tear down others, but instead we are to build them up. And this is what makes for a healthy relationship in the church. It's what makes for a, a very healthy church. And the key of constructing harmonious relationships is simply forgiveness. In our text, Paul offers these words in verses 31 and 32. He says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Again, chapter 4, verses 31 to 32. When engaged in corrupting talk, if we are the source of that corruption, we are to repent of it. As Paul says, we are to put it away. We get rid of it through confession of sin to God and to especially uh, the one that we have wronged. Lent is a penitential season. And so especially at this time of the year, we are to confess our sins to God and to one another and to seek reconciliation with those that we have wronged. The good news is, is that God promises forgiveness. God forgives your sins and my sins, and he does all of that for the sake of his son, Jesus Christ. In Christ, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Not counting their trespasses against them. God reconstructed our broken relationships with Him by reconciling us to Himself in Jesus Christ. And through the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus, our Lord, He has forgiven us. All of our corruption was restored to a right relationship with God. That is His mercy, this is His grace. When we have sinned against others, when we have, are this, the, the source of corruption in relationships, we confess our sins to, to God, but also to those who we have wronged. Sometimes I think it's harder to go to the person we wrong wronged than it is to go to God. And both should be easy to do, because that's what God instructs us to do. And we are assured that we are forgiven by God, and we seek the forgiveness of others. But sometimes, you and I are not the the source of the corruption, but rather, we are the recipients of it. And this happens when someone else sins against you or me. This occurs when others direct corrupting talk against us, when they slander or malign us. How are we to respond to that? We'll get them back. It's my turn now, right? We go after them. We pull out the knives and throw them at them, and daggers from our eyes, right? Isn't that what we do? We can say no, Pastor. Get over it, right? Listen to what verse thirty-two of our text is. It says, "You ready for this? Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another." Just as God in Christ forgave us. Drop the knives, throw them behind you, right? And go what we do every Sunday when we're here, for the most part, right? We hear God's word, and when we walk out, what do we do? We hug each other. At least I hug everybody. You hug me back, so we're doing that for the church, right? But it's sharing God's love with each other. And, and in those hugs, is forgiveness. It doesn't matter whether, whether I wronged or you wronged or somebody else wronged. God's love is there in all those hugs that we give each other because we forgive those who have sinned against us. We forgive those who have wronged us by their corrupting speech. Why do we do this? Simply because, as Paul asserts, God in Christ forgave us. We forgive because we have been forgiven. We pardon others of their wrongs against us because we have been pardoned by the mercy of God. And since God has forgiven our trespasses, we forgive those who trespass against us. Seems like we say that every worship service in one of our prayers, doesn't it? We cannot do this by our own power, though. It's the power of God that works through you and me. His forgiving power is given to us, and then it is channeled through us, if you will, to those who have sinned against us. We forgive them in view of God's mercy. Once, a young preschooler was trying to learn the Lord's Prayer. And she decided that she had it down pat, and she was a i going to recite it to everybody, and this is what she said. Forgive us our trash baskets as we forgive those who put their trash in our baskets. <laughs> but you know, listen to those words one more time. They're not bad. Listen to them again. And, and I know they're, they're funny, but out of the mouth of babes sometimes. Forgive us our trash baskets as we forgive those who put trash in our baskets. Even in the church, there are others who put trash in our baskets. They deliver the corrupting talks of bitterness, of anger, of clamor, of slander, and of malice. Paul tells us to put all that away. We are to take out the trash and we do so by forgiving. We don't let the trash... um, Destroy our our heads and our hearts. We release to God the wrongs done to us and the the slander spoken against us. We forgive. We forgive because we have been forgiven. We have been forgiven of the trash in our baskets that stank to high heaven but was removed by the passion and the person of Jesus Christ. Forgive us our trash baskets. I think we can cry that to God this season of Lent. And in view of his mercy in Jesus Christ, we know that we are forgiven. In the power of his mercy and grace, we now forgive those who put trash in our baskets. Amen? Let us rise for prayer. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, we approach your throne of grace today with broken relationships. When we have alienated ourselves from others due to corrupting talk, put words in our mouths that foster reconciliation. When we have alienated ourselves from others due to falsehood, help us to speak the truth in love with our neighbor. When we have alienated ourselves from others due to bitterness and anger, renew a right spirit within us to work toward peace. When we have alienated ourselves from others due to a refusal to forgive, soften our hearts so that we may forgive as you have forgiven us. We praise you that while we were yet sinners, you still loved us and sent Christ to die for us, reconciling us to you. In view of your mercy, lead us by your Spirit so that we will build one another up by extending your grace to others. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. All these things we pray in the name of Jesus who reconciled us to you. Our Father, who art in heaven, May the merciful God who is faithful to forgive the corruption of your sin empower you to give constructed words to others and to forgive them as God has given you through Jesus Christ to whom be the glory forever. Amen. We sing hymn 649, Blessed Be the ties of Thine. Any, excuse me, any announcements tonight? Sure. Thank you, Lord. a big box in the North Coast. Also, uh Saturday at 11 o'clock, we're going to help the um, family move. Uh, Crystal and her son, Jaden. Jaden was confirmed this past year, and their two daughters are moving from one side of, of uh, actually on the same side of uh, but moving more south a little way south so if anybody can help you can meet me here or at 11 or thereabouts 11 or before 11 or give me a buzz so send me a note and I'll send you the address and we will hopefully help them move in a couple of hours um, next week is our last Wednesday midweek service as we continue our theme of mercy which will also carry all the way through Holy Week which is the next week following week with Palm Sunday, followed by Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and then that wonderful day we're waiting for.
0: um,
1: called Easter. Yeah. Um, As you leave here today, remember to throw the trash out of your basket, throw it into the other basket. Nobody else's, right? The one that's going away and then share God's love with each other. Let us go in peace and share God's love.